chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. Today on the show, our guest is Orvin Kimbrough. Orv is the outgoing president and CEO at United Way of Greater St. Louis and recently was made the CEO of Midwest Bank Center. Orv, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. I'm just so excited for our listening audience to hear your story. And I've known you now for several years through United Way and our work there and uh, just admire you and respect you as a leader and as a friend. And I'm excited for our listening audience to get to know you a little more. I'm excited to be here, Lisa. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Talk to us a little bit, Orv, about what it was like growing up for you. So I was born in the early 1970s in East St. Louis, which is just across the river and what was then and still is now one of the most challenging and devastating parts of our region. I was born to a mother who, she was an only child. We moved to the St. Louis area uh, just across the river before I turned five years old. And my mom was a single mom. I didn't know my dad. I grew up in North City, uh, which much like East St. Louis was challenged in and it's still challenged today. My mother died when I was eight years old and she really was a, a product of her environment. I remember one morning when I was eight, I woke up because I was hungry and I went over to the refrigerator to see what there was to eat only to find a box of saltine crackers. So I went over to my mom who was asleep in the other room to ask her if I could eat the crackers. Food was hard to come by in our home so I learned to ask for anything I wanted to eat. It was really my mother's way of inventory control. I began to shake my mother and she didn't respond. I continued to shake her and still there was no response. When the paramedics arrived, they pronounced her dead. That began more than two decade long journey in the state foster care system. You know, I'm just thinking about where you were and where you are today and my heart breaks for children that are in that situation and I know that had to be hard, but you know, I'm sure, or if you could talk about some lessons that made you stronger. You were probably a stronger person. How did you navigate that first? Was there someone that took you in? I mean, how did you, after that happened with your mom, what happened next? After mom's death, we moved in with a cousin. So you recall I said my mom was an only child. So we moved in with a distant cousin who we didn't know well. 
And that situation was a tough situation. Uh, We ended up staying in that home for five, six, seven years. And this woman at the time, she was in her maybe late 50s. She didn't have any kids. And she was taking care of her mom, who was in her 70s. And now all of a sudden, she has four kids. And it was an incredibly stressful environment for her, I suppose, as as well as for us. And it was a challenging environment, but you you make it through the challenges. Did you and your siblings really become closer and stick together? I mean, you guys were each other's support, probably. I I think initially we did. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were each other's support. I have three siblings, a younger sister, younger brother, older brother. And from that foster home, we moved into residential care. And that's really where we started to come apart at the seams because we were all placed in different facilities and and so you didn't have an environment that nurtured family connections and, and relationships. And that truly extends itself to today. Mm-hmm. I mean, that formative period in our teen years where we were separated informs our relationship even to this day. Is that right? Goodness. Well, you know, I did talk about belief. And I, I just believe that every person needs somebody to believe in them. And were any of the foster families that you stayed with, did anyone speak into you? Was anyone a mentor? You don't even have to talk about that if there's other people along the way who have been mentors or people that have spoken words of life into you. So I didn't have parents in the sense that we typically think about, and I certainly had relationships that were episodic, no long-term relationships from childhood to adulthood. But I did have people who came into my life and at the right time, they spoke words of life and encouragement. I think about my eighth grade math teacher. I was the class clown and uh, I can recall him shutting the classroom door one day and he slapped me. And oh. it, uh, he, he actually <laughs> he, got <your> <laughs> he actually slapped me, and then he hugged me and told me that he loved me. Aww. I could I could remember my counselor. This was a an agency supplied a, a counselor to me during my teen years, and another strong African American male role model who spoke words of encouragement and words of belief. And you know, he told me, "Your life has value and purpose, and and I love you." I think those individuals and so many more whether they were teachers or they were counselors or they were members of the parish that I attended as a, as a young boy, foster families that I lived with, lots of different people came into my life at lots of different times to encourage me and to give me a vision when I didn't have one for myself. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me, this is just such a common theme that I've heard from so many people. It's either a coach that noticed something in a person and called that out or Teachers, teachers are so incredibly important. I mean, hats off to teachers. I agree. I I think teachers are so underrated in how they influence our young people. And, And so I made it a point in the past to go back and tell the teachers that helped to mold me and to shape me mm. how important that they, they are to you and life. more generally I try to get out once a year to talk broadly to teachers to let them know how important they are mm-hmm. what important influencers they are on young people's lives because when all things are falling apart at home you come to school and you bring your whole self to school and mm. it's so important that teachers are able to stand in the gap now they don't get paid necessarily to do that they get paid to educate us but we know that they do so much more. Absolutely. Well, I just love what you've said about two different, your counselor and your math teacher saying that they loved you, you know, and, and I truly words. believe they did. 
for any teachers out there in the listening audience, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so appreciated and valued. And, and as you said, or if it, things are falling apart at home, school can be a safe zone for a child. So incredibly important. So talking about education, let's talk about your education journey because you went on and went to Mizzou. And so talk to us a little bit about that. How did that happen? So I went to public school. Uh, I can recall my senior year thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I realized that I needed to do something because I didn't have a safety net. I knew that I needed to get out no matter what after graduation. But when you look at my study over the prior three years, I was basically an average student. Mm -hmm. I didn't do well on standardized tests. I scored a 15 on the ACT. It's always interesting when I share that tidbit because people can place you in a box and judge you immediately. They somehow think that that score defines you you and speaks to your intelligence Mm -hmm. uh, when it doesn't. So if you are a young person and and you are listening, what you receive on the uh, ACT or the SAT does not define you as an individual or as a human being. So I ended up getting into the University of Missouri, Columbia. I studied social work in college, achieving both a bachelor and master's degree in my time at Mizzou. And one of the most important lessons that I learned during that period of study was that context matters. We are both shaped by our environments and shapers of our environments. As a young person growing up in the foster care system, I was shaped by my environment and in a real sense grew up with many deficits. This is important context. As I got older and I felt empowered, I began to act on my environment, working extremely hard and smart, consistently building relationships that created a context for higher performance. Yes, and you are a relationship person. I mean, I I discovered that about you early on. I mean, you, you love to surround yourself with good people, right? Every breakthrough is on the other side of the right relationship. I love that. Can I quote you? You got it. You got it. <laughs> awesome. So you went on, you got your education from Mizzou, but after Mizzou, I think you did some things with Faith Beyond Walls and then, you know, ultimately the United Way and you were there for a long time. So talk to us about that journey. How did that all come about? So when I graduated from Mizzou in 2000, I recall sitting around with other graduates and we were chatting about what we would do next. Social work, as you all know, is a combination of sociology, psychology, anthropology, and management. And most of my peers had intended on going into a clinical setting. What that means is they were going to become therapists. I had a desire to be a consultant or to be an executive director. I was asked what I knew about consulting or being an executive director, to which my reply was I had built up a skill set throughout my years of school and life experience that provided me with the ability to learn, solve problems, and be agile. I became a consultant. I consulted for one year for the Vashanja Fandalu Initiative and then became associate director of the organization. The Vashanja Fandalu Initiative was a comprehensive community development initiative. We focused on housing, education, public safety, beautification in one of the region's toughest communities. What I learned from this experience is the importance of transparency and trust. Residents wanted to know the true intent of all of these people who conversed on their neighborhoods. And because there was a history of mistrust, we had to do significant Mm. work to ensure that this was in place to move forward. 
Okay, so I love that. I mean, the trust and the transparency. I I get that. They wanted to make sure that they could trust you, right? Uh, right. And you probably had to work extra hard because there had been a history of mistrust. That's right. That's what anything, mm-hmm. when, you, when you are in relationship, if anybody breaks that trust and someone else steps in, you still carry the wounds. You do. Right yeah. or wrong, you carry the wounds. Yeah, I bet everybody listening can relate to this. <laughs> I know I certainly can. Well, so then what led you to the United Way? Talk to us about that, because you had a pretty amazing journey through the United Way. Yeah, after the social work and doing my work with the Vashon Jeff Vanderloo Initiative, I began to pursue an MBA at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. And what I learned during this study is the biggest difference between for-profit and non-profit is the IRS designation. In the non-profit world, we have to earn enough money to keep operations stable. And if you're really, really successful, you'll generate a surplus for a rainy day. I also learned that the leadership strategy, customer and market focus, workforce and process and business results are all the same. It's all the same stuff. Yes. We just talk about these things differently. When I became executive director of Faith Beyond Walls, next, I learned the importance of broad stakeholder management. A year into that role, I took over the leadership of Interfaith Partnership and managed both organizations. And I learned the importance of managing complex relationships and forging team out of unlikely suspects. I've been at United Way, Lisa, as you know, for nearly 13 years and six years at the helm of the organization. And during this period, I've come into a broader appreciation for the diversity of business in our region and an even more appreciation of the power of brand, culture, teamwork, strategy, and execution to drive results. Mm -hmm. And even more than that, I've come to acquire an appreciation to create the conditions for the most number of people to succeed. So my journey to United Way, while it was never my plan, I think it's been God's plan, and every step of the way has prepared me for the work that I've been doing at United Way. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Orv. And Orv, I really want, when we come back, I want you to talk a little bit more about the United Way, and then that'll lead us into kind of what's next for you, because you have a next assignment. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360-degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out-of-the-box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. Welcome back, everyone. So, Orv, I want to talk a little bit more about the United Way because we've got something pretty special, I think, about St. Louis's United Way. I agree. St. Louis's United Way is special, and it's about the people. But before I go there, our United Way is one of 1,800 United Ways across the globe. We're in 41 different countries. United Way is the largest privately financed charity in the world. 
When you think about the St. Louis United Way against all of that, our market is roughly 22nd largest metropolitan area in the U.S. Our United Way last year ranked number one for total campaign dollars. And if you think about our total top line revenue, we rank number three against any United Way. That's pretty extraordinary. That is extraordinary. And when I'm asked... Again, what the difference is, it's all about the people in this region. It's about the the caring nature of the people in this region. It's the fact that people really view the St. Louis region as home. And so many of us, we grew up here, we may go away for a short period, but we return here Mm -hmm. to raise families because it's a great quality of life for most. It is. It really is. St. Louis is kind of like a a little hidden treasure, I feel like. You know, there's all kinds of things we could talk about on that. But what I really want you to talk about now, you have a new assignment. (laughs) So tell us about that journey. So it's interesting, Lisa, when I think about my time at United Way, I suspected that I would come in and I would work for the organization for three years and I would make a transition. In fact, I stated that boldly to the CEO at that time. And he kept giving me opportunity after opportunity to which I said yes. And that led me to the CEO role. And I figured from United Way of Greater St. Louis that I would likely be doing something on a national stage. And I think about this really from the standpoint of my plan versus God's plan. My plan was three years. God's plan was 13 years. <laughs> my plan was a national. God's plan was you're going to stay right here in the St. Louis region. My plan was stick with the nonprofit sector. God's plan was you're going to move into the private sector. So I am now CEO of Midwest Bank Center, uh, which is one of the largest financial services firms in the greater St. Louis region. And it's hard for most people to process that. But when you think about business in general, it's all relationship-based. Certainly, there's a technical aspect Mm -hmm. to every business, but business is based on relationship and its currency is trust. Mm. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 13 years with United Way, building a currency of trust. I love that. Well, there's several things there that you said that I really want to kind of unpack. So one of the things that you said, and was this Gary Dollar? This was Gary Dollar, yes. (laughs) And you said that Gary kept giving you opportunities and you kept saying yes. Gary kept giving me opportunities and I kept saying yes. And Did it always feel comfortable? It was always awkward. I think one of the ways to differentiate yourself as a young leader is to figure out those things that your superiors don't like and get really good at it. And those things are not necessarily going to be things that you naturally gravitate to, but you become a problem solver. (laughs) You will be their hero. You will be a problem solver. Those are important things to move That's great advice. So find those things that your leader doesn't love and get good at those, and then then you'll be the hero. You you will be the hero. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure taking on this new assignment— you know, like you said, I mean, it's relationship, but there's probably, you know, always stretching, right? It's not like something that you've done, but I think it's really important, don't you, as we go through our journey to be risk takers? I think as leaders, we're called to be risk takers, but we're called to be measured risk takers. 
I always, when I'm operating in my own strength, I don't nearly optimize myself. But when I operate in the, the strength that I believe God's placed in me, I stretch beyond what I even thought was possible. Uh, was possible. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. My daughter, uh, who is 16 years old, when she found out that I was moving into banking, she said, Dad, you don't even like math. You know, what are you doing, Dad? And I said, it's not that I don't like math. I like math, but it, it has to be practical. Mm-hmm. You know, and banking is practical. Right. But I went on to explain to her that for... The last 20 years, I've been focusing so much on helping people and communities think about social capital and human capital. Human capital are the skills and education and the things that you need to go to the next level. And social capital is all about networks and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that's important, but I also think that in every community, we've got to talk about capital, period. Mm-hmm. Financial capital. Financial mm-hmm. capital. Right. You need it all. You do. Just like every breakthrough is on the other side of a right relationship, well, you also need money mm-hmm. on that other side as well. That's and so right. that's what this is about as I go forward. I love that quote that you just said. Again, I just love that. You know, every opportunity is on the other side of a great relationship. So that that really is kind of a segue into talking about somebody in your life that has been very instrumental and we can segue into the something extra in that particular person. Do you want to talk about that person a little bit? Dave Stewart. Yes. I mean, Dave's been that something extra for me and I think it comes down to the fact that when you are are around him, he causes you to stretch. I've never seen him have a bad day. His passion is contagious. You know, he, he tells the story of starting worldwide way back when. And, you know, and people w- would say to him, well, you're in St. Louis and, you know, you're establishing worldwide. Yeah. You know, you're, sure you're in St. Louis. <laughs> now their tagline now is Silicon Valley and, you know, in the St. Louis region or in the Midwest. Uh-huh. I think it's amazing. I do too. So I, that he had I, that vision he, even back then. He had the vision even back then. And, and mm-hmm. you got to say it's so when it's not so, mm-hmm. so that it can be so. Mm-hmm. He has inspired so many people. And it's not just what you see in public life. I've gotten the opportunity to spend one-to-one time with him. and He's consistent. He's consistent. He's Mm -hmm. consistent. And what it forces in you is the same kind of time that he invests in you, you invest in others, and you pay it forward. I love that. Yeah. Wow. A world could use more people like that. But people like that are inspiring just by the way they live their life. That's it. And he, he is all about pouring into other people and pouring into our community, right? So, Orv, I know that you building into younger people is really important to you. And you've been an adjunct professor at WashU for some time. You still are. Talk to us a little bit about that and what you're what you're doing at WashU right now. I'm really excited with the work that I've got going on at Washington University right now. Yes, I'm an adjunct professor and Right now, designing a course on teams and and leadership alongside Jill Stratton is for post-master's individuals, so individuals who have achieved their master's degree. Teams have always been uh, integral to my success 
it's always been about the people who have been around me. That's why I've been mm-hmm. successful. And I've learned so much from the teams who pour themselves out day in and day out to execute against mission or to execute against uh, vision. So I'm excited about that class that's coming up. When and will it, that start? Or? It starts in, in February. And so we're, we will do three weekends. I think it's a Saturday and a Sunday all day for three weekends, but it's going to be immersive. It's going to be about looking at your own personal leadership style, looking at how you lead within an organization, looking at how you lead within the context of a community that's on the edge of doing something great. Great. And in your new role, tell the listening audience, if they want to help you in this new role, how can they do that? It's very simple. Checking, savings, loans. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, re- it really is just that simple. I'm the easiest guy in St. Louis to find. Midwest Bank Center is the easiest bank uh, in the St. Louis region to find. You want to support us because we support and have a heart for people all throughout this community. The evidence is in uh, where our branch locations are. The evidence is in who we provide loans to. It's the entire community. You know, we fight for everybody in this region. All right. And tell their friends, right? And tell their friends. <laughs> thank you. Or thank you so much for being with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Our show today is executive produced by Brian Muncy. Our technical producer is Daniel Williams. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2018. For show notes or to reach out to Lisa, visit lisagalenichols.com slash something extra. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.